This is Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. All right, let's go ahead and get started with another episode of Not Another Church Podcast. Uh, I have with me tonight uh, Matt Aldridge, the youth pastor here at North Glencoe, and Patrick Washington, the pastor of Bruna Valley Baptist Church, uh, a a church in Lincoln, Alabama. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about racial issues and... um, I've asked Patrick to come. He's a dear friend. We, we work out together, and I just really felt like it would have been arrogant uh, for me to make assumptions or, or speak to um, the African-American experience because I wouldn't know at all what I'm talking about. So let's go ahead and get started. Patrick, welcome. Hey, uh, how are you? Very good. Uh, excited about our conversation tonight. I'm very excited. So as we get started, let's go ahead and turn to God's Word. I, I, I do want to start out by saying I know that uh, in Southern churches there's some bad theology concerning race that's out there. The two most common verses that I've heard thrown at me uh, about why uh, white folks shouldn't be dating, hanging around with African Americans uh, would be uh, the, the Old Testament's commands to the children of Israel not to intermarry with the people around them. Uh, And uh, I have had someone that brought up uh, the verse that says, do not be unequally yoked Mm -hmm. as a reason why uh, we shouldn't be intermixing the races. And I will say from from my experience and my studying of God's word, uh, the the fancy term for that would be stupid. That's just dumb. (laughs) Um, First off, Uh, the command to not intermarry, God is giving to his people that he called aside, the children of Abraham, the children of Isaac, so that that line would be protected. Ultimately, Messiah was coming through that line. And so for us to apply that to to white people is just really, really uh, not accurate. Uh, When those verses were written, we're the people that the Jewish folks could marry. We're the heathen. Uh, white people were at that time, you know, running around the woods of Germany eating each other. It's, this is not applicable to us. And then uh, be unequally yoked. Clearly, if you just read the rest of the verse with unbelievers. So uh, we do have a good biblical theology. Paul uh, deals with the idea of race. Now, in uh, the New Testament, race as we talk about it now was really unheard of. In fact, the whole concept of the amount of melanin that you have in your skin differentiating people is, is really new. It, it's something that, from what I've read, really comes out of uh, evolutionary thought processes that some people are subhuman, some people are more human. Uh, you know, there were people were measuring people's skulls in the 1800s. There was all kinds of silliness that was unscientific, unscrupulous, just straight up silliness. Hey, Humans since creation have always wanted the ability to say I'm better than everybody else. And so we just found a way to do that in a new, new and interesting way. But um, Paul does speak to uh, what we're supposed to be doing. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, For just as the body is one, and here Paul is referring to the church as the body. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews, 
Greeks, slaves, free, we are all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. So Paul here is using the analogy of our bodies to say the body of Christ, the church, is made up of all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. And so I guess from what I see in, in the New Testament, the idea of not wrecking or pretending that I'm not white or Patrick's not black is not what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, you know, we, we talk about, I want a colorblind church. It's actually more than that. It's saying my African-American brothers and sisters are made the way they are beautifully and fearfully created. It's awesome. God made me the way that I am for specific purposes. And we do, we celebrate that because the author, the, the, the artist is God. And so rather than pretend it's not there, that there are, aren't differences, there aren't different cultures, there are, or rather than acting like my culture is superior to your culture or your culture is superior to my culture, um, we celebrate the fact that we're both one before the cross. Mm-hmm. And that being the ultimate thing that ties us together, just like you've said multiple times, like the thing about Christianity is that the guy who is a janitor at such and such and the, and the, and guy number two is is a successful businessman making this much money, whatever can be businessman can be discipled by, by the janitor because of the gospel. And in that same concordance is Black, white, yellow, purple, red, whatever, all of that comes together in the tying together of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which, which is bigger than any, anything, anywhere. Uh, and that's the, that's the beauty of the whole thing is that that's what brings us together is the cause of Christ. Yeah, we'll, we'll say that we're all made in God's image to appease, um, you know, those that are in church, but we, do we truly mean it? Mm. You know, that's something that we just say and we don't really, you know, we look at people so differently like he was saying we were we were taught you know way back when that you we weren't supposed to uh, mix and mingle and you know marry outside of your race because of you know but I felt like in the Bible it was because of their belief and you know you didn't want to merge with somebody that had different beliefs or or worship an idol God and he didn't want that to happen so we we took that and we ran with it and we brought that into today's time, and we t- we're telling our children to stay away from. You know, it's different from marrying, and you know, so we tell our children just to stay away from different races, and you know, and it's bringing a, a sort of division now. Well, I can remember when we were getting ready to to move to South America, when we were getting ready to move to to Turkey, I literally had people in the church say, "You better be careful." Your daughters are going to get over there and meet some insert mm-hmm. race other than than redneck mm-hmm. here. Uh, get to go over there and meet some Turkish guy and fall in love. And then what are you going to do? And, and my response to that was always, I would much rather my daughters marry uh, a, a Turkish believer, a African-American believer, than to marry a good white boy who's got an Alabama hat who's a heathen. Mm-hmm. I don't know why people feel like that's where the rubber meets the road, but I had people with aghast that I would say that. And, and I've said from this pulpit multiple times, we should have more in common with 
an Indian believer, our African-American believers, than we do with our next-door neighbor who just happens to look like us or have the same melanin levels as we do. And I think that in the church today, that's not true. No, not at all. Not at all. I, I think you said one time uh, when we did the the, the th- uh, sit down and talk, you said it bothers you that people will send... I want to get the quote right, that people will send their youth to Africa to love on little black kids there, but they wouldn't feel comfortable if I walked in their church. That's right. That is wicked. And I know people that do that. I know churches that will send missionaries to Africa and to India, but will not, have a com- will not hold a conversation with me whatsoever. And mm-hmm. I'm like, so... You know, it's okay to post a little uh, picture of a little black child that you're hugging on in Africa. That's fine. But what about me, your brother that's down the street? You know, what about those that are in the projects? It's our duty to reach out to them as well. So So I guess part of what we want to talk about today is how do we bridge that gap? And one of the things that I found really interesting at seminary was is pastors were taught different set of rules than missionaries. Okay, so for missionaries that we were taught, um, okay, it's foolhardy for you to think that you can go to Central Asia and start a church and it be for uh, Turks and Kurds in the same church. They, even though they live in the same country, there's a different culture there. And your goal set is for people to be able to worship, uh, pray, sing in their heart language. So is the way that we bridge that gap to, I guess, to, to try to modify our services so that an African-American person coming to North Lincoln would feel comfortable? Or is that, is that playing a game? I don't know. I don't, I don't, to say that we would modify it or to, at, at what point do, hey, do, I, as, I mean, as, as again, as the white guy, like in asking an African American, at what point do you just want to be like, I just want to, I just want to come to church and worship, like, and I'm just, I'm just asking, like, is it, can it be more offensive to feel like, like again, like, and this is could be insensitive, but like, you go up to someone who, who may be deaf or something, is like, let me talk louder so you can hear me, when they could read, they could read lips, like, and could be, ext- I mean, probably in very intelligent. Practic- is that, is, is that, could that be more offensive rather than just, hey. You're welcome here because that's my brother. Like because I I love Christ, you love Christ, we're in Christ. Like that's my brother. Yes, I agree. This I I really commend Pastor Tom on what he's doing because a lot of pastors and preachers in this area are so I wouldn't say they're racist, but they don't know how to approach the topic. Even with me going to school um, with a class of all white preachers and ministers, and I would you know we would laugh and cut up in class, but you could notice after class was over, then they would go eat, or you know, they, they didn't really know how to invite me or how to talk to me, but I think this is um, where it needs to start in the church. Let's unpack that, why, why do you, I mean, did they think you were gonna- Mug them, no. Mug, <laughs> you gonna throw some colors on as you walk to the car? I mean, what? I mean, what, how can I say it? When you're alone, it makes you uncomfortable. And, Absolutely. And, the way that I handle things is when people come into the church, I talk to my youth mostly, and I tell them, you know, y'all are, are like my children. 
and y'all are all different colors, different races, different ages. How does this make you feel if I say so-and-so to them? Or, and, you know, they say, well, I don't like that. And I said, that's the way it should be. You know, we should all stick together. We should all come together. People are going to come to church that don't look like you, smell like you. You know, so we have to learn to embrace them. We can't be uncomfortable and, and win them to Christ, you know. So. <laughs> so the last time we talked about this, I think the thing that we came up with was that ignorance mm-hmm. and not knowing – Mm-hmm. It is the biggest hindrance because people are <clears throat> people are afraid of things they don't understand. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know, we said this last time that if my only exposure to a young black man is what I've seen on TV, I, I might assume that he's going to pull a gun out and take my watch mm-hmm. uh, because. The, I think the media has done a poor job. And I want to say media, I mean more like TV shows, yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, Hollywood per se. The Hollywood yeah, stuff yeah. is going to give you the idea that if there's two young black men walking down the street toward me, they are going to mug me. They couldn't possibly be going to Jack's down the road. Right. <laughs> and then being my size, you, if I say hello, you know, it's either you're going to be a football player or you're going to be a mugger. It's not, Ooh. you know, there's no in between. So, and then that's when you have to show yourself friendly. You know, I try to go into places. I try to talk to everybody. I try to let them know that everybody is not ignorant, you know, because every race has some ignorant people. I just have to say that. But I have to just let them know that, hey, we're educated as well. You know, we know how to handle ourselves. We know how to conduct ourselves. But um, what, the, like you said, the TV portrays us as, as wild animals all yeah. the time. So that's what people pick up. And then sometimes that's what's taught at home. Um, my best friend, as I, I tell this story all the time, his dad would not let me come in the house. I wasn't allowed to play with him on the porch. I could only pray, play with him in the yard. So as he got older and uh, we graduated and he was dying of cancer, the dad was, he came back and apologized to me because that's how his father raised him was to hate black people. So he took that on and he was, it, it, you know, it's like a, of uh, uh, overflowing faucet. You're teaching that to your children. So, I mean, it starts at home. It does. It does. And oftentimes we as shepherds or we as the church have to be the start for that mm-hmm. and have to, to talk about the issue. And I think that the political divide that there's now makes it difficult to talk about because everybody's afraid. If I say even slightly the wrong thing, mm-hmm. cancel culture, then I'm going to get canceled. And so I'm just going to avoid talking about it, which silence speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the biggest thing we can do is nothing yes. while we let horrible things happen around us. Right. So as we talk about it, um, what are some of the things that, as we shepherd people, what are some of the things that, that Patrick, you think we need to be sure to hit? Um, I just think we need to go at it head on, racism, um, teaching our children. Um, and a lot of times we, we go around it because it, it makes us uncomfortable. I know some things are, are hard to talk about, but when we go at it, full force, it, it just go ahead and kill, just break the enemy, you know. Um, and it doesn't allow things to happen that shouldn't happen. Um, it's a hard topic to address, but when 
I'm just going to speak for myself, having a 97% Caucasian congregation, it has to be talked about, you know, because, hey, you got a black pastor. I know people don't, you know, want you to have a black pastor. I know mm -hmm. things are going to be said. And, you know, you can hear kids say things, and you don't. So it's good to address it. Not over, you don't have to do it over the pulpit all the time. You can do small groups. Hey, how do you feel about this? Or how was you brought up? You know, is there anything that you want to address or talk about? Anything that you might be confused about? You know, so we just have to keep those topics going. And I think sometimes, like, you don't want to, like, for me, who is, you know, in the, young 20s or whatever and like i mean like I, I i want to be less ignorant but also like you don't want to come across offensive by asking the questions mm -hmm. because like again cancel culture like i don't want to ask the wrong question and get canceled like i, I but i also want to be privy to culture and to social cues that me as a you know big old white boy that has done no, i mean no no nothing than big old white boys you know what i'm saying i mean like i don't I, and i think that's a large majority is, is not necessarily accepting silence but almost walking on eggshells and that's and that sounds like I feel I, I know I feel bad saying that because but it's like I don't want to offend anyone or anybody uh and and so because of not wanting to offend I also want to like I know, I know myself and I will be there I don't sometimes I don't have enough feet to put in my mouth right. um but 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 again having an, an open space where you can ask the questions where you can ask hey when I say this that is this that's not something i can say or hey yeah I mean, that's that's fine like but those kind of questions like me as the teenager like i would have asked hey that that's something i can't say right or or that's that i can't do that correct like you just gotta like lay it out for me and i know what's wrong and what's right but i didn't like i don't, I don't need the gray area i need a black or white right no pun intended <laughs> well and again going back to to what the bible says about it jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment, mm. which one would assume that breaking of the greatest commandment would be the greatest sin one could commit. And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no stipulation there on color. Mm -hmm. And so there should be in the, within the walls of the church, there should be no doubt that there is no room for racism, for me to look at someone because they're, and, and, and you know, it seems like uh, we have political enemies. So right now it's okay. It's not okay to dislike people because they're black, but it is okay to dislike somebody because they're Muslim mm -hmm. because they're our enemies. Yeah. Or it is okay to, and, and, and just the Bible is not vague about this at all in fact jesus said love your enemies mm -hmm. do good to those people who do bad stuff to you pray for them bless them bless them so you can you can be a racist if you want to or you can you can hate people if you want to but you can't do it claiming christianity mm -hmm. because the bible could not possibly get clear I mean, I feel like as Jesus on purpose used stories like the Good Samaritan, which we hear the word Samaritan and think of it like, oh, wow, that's it, Samaritan. What a nice hey, guy. To the original, here's a Samaritan. Well, that would have been the N-word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, the Good Samaritan would have been, hey, wait, what? There's no such thing. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is trying really hard to bend their minds to, to get past mm -hmm. this. Now, again, it wasn't the same thing as in a color issue, but it doesn't matter. And 
there's no Jew, no Greek, no male, no female, no mm-hmm. no bond, no slave, no Alabama fan, no Auburn fan, no black guys, one. no white guys. That's a tough one. Whatever category you want to throw in there, if we're in the church, we recognize as becoming members of the church that we come to God with nothing. Mm-hmm. We desperately need a Savior. And so who could I possibly be to think that I'm better than anybody? Because I've already fallen at the feet of God and said, I'm the worst sinner that I know because I know the depths of my heart. I know how wicked I am. We've, we've punted. We've given up. And so now you can't double back and go, well, he's worse because he's got more melanin in his skin than me. And where that and, and where that association come from, I have no idea because, like you said, I I know like my inner being, and like I don't know I, I don't know, I don't know where that association would come from of oh you know, he's a little darker than me so he's he probably sins more like I don't know since I don't know since like when my skin color became the gauge of how much I sin or not uh, I I don't know. Well, I mean, clearly there's a lot of historic and and. Even in South America, it was really funny because your skin tone dictated how the culture looked at you. And so, and being a a pale redhead took it too far. It was crazy. We would walk into a restaurant and you would literally hear silverware hitting the floor. And everybody would just stop and stare. It's like, seriously, woman, can you get a tan? Can can we please stop (laughs) drawing so much attention? Well, you know, I've been told by a true African um, from Africa, and, and he told me that I was too light. He said, you wouldn't be welcome where I'm from. And I'm like, you know, I'm black like you. He's like, no, you're too light. So, I mean, it's just color is an issue going on. It's just an ongoing thing. And I was like, why wouldn't I be welcome? He said, because you look like you might have been mixed with the Egyptians or some of the the way my hair was curly and stuff. I just didn't look like the normal Africans. So... I mean, I wouldn't thought I, I would have never would have never thought that. Yeah. Well, anytime you get three human beings together, one of them's going to try to figure out how he can make himself look better than the other two. <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality. <laughs> we all want to feel superior, whether it's educational <laughs> level, whether it's we all have ways that we throw things out there. That's like, hey, because this <laughs> I'm better than you. And, and if you try to look at, at it logically, the the whole um, skin tone thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because like you said, w- where's the breaking point there? Mm-hmm. Um, there are some really pale people. There are some really dark people. And it, it just doesn't make sense. Again, unless we have some kind of gradient scale. Okay, I'm going to need you to put your hand on this and let's like, see. Like, 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 a, like, like, a, like a paint sample. like hold it up. That's right. Like, yeah, no, you're, you're good. You're fine. So, okay. So, however... That being said, kind of going back to what we had said before, there clearly is it, within the United States subcultures. There is now I, I've always been tickled at how close the African American subculture and the absolute redneck subculture are. <laughs> they really are, because if you want to get a yeehaw from anybody, you start throwing out some of the same foods. I mean, they ain't a redneck in this church that didn't grow up on collard greens and cornbread. You put macaroni and cheese in front of me, and I'm telling you, I don't care where you came from, where you've been. If it's good, I'm going to eat it. You know what I'm saying? I could care less. And so I, it's almost like the real division in America is poor people and people with a lot of money. Mm. 
because I, I have a whole lot more in common, just realistically, okay, set the church on one side. I have more in common with, I mean, the trailer park and the projects ain't that far apart, so I guess my point. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't that far apart. So in the church, if we're trying to, to, from within our culture, and you know, last week we said it's not our job as believers to redeem the culture. It's our job to lead people to our Savior, and then over time, that salt and light changes the culture. How do we celebrate our cultures within the church and then keep, at the same time keep from stepping on each other and offending each other and hurting each other? That's a good question. <laughs> Uh, and again, I, I want to think that the biggest thing is, is from one culture to another of of having the openness, having those conversations, having the thing of talking about, hey, this is, and even even if just defining it, like, hey, this is the the heritage, or this is the history behind, or or the the pride that's in the African American culture. Because again, I'm not privy to that. Like, I'm not, I'm I'm completely ignorant to that from uh, from the 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 vast you know general things you know I, I understand you know you know Dr. King Jackie Robinson all of those individuals who who made amazing things in in the in in hit not not just not just African American history but like humankind type history stuff um, but but of, of recognizing that and, and in the church standpoint of African American believers or, or martyrs or missionaries and stuff like that who I know have done outstanding things for the kingdom uh, of, of celebrating that. And like, and again, like for me, someone who's a history buff who wants to, for things to be defined or laid out there so I can like, so I can like soak up that knowledge uh, of, so, of having that to where like, I know, I don't, it's tough for me to say like, I know the culture, but like the, the ins and outs of it, the, 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 the things that are the historical sides of it that I can tangibly see, like that's something I can, can be ingrained in and be a part on and like understand if that makes any sense. Yes, it, it does not. I totally agree. We have to teach the greatness of each culture. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tell my kids, that you're somebody, no matter what you look like, no matter your race, no matter your background, you're somebody and you're going to be somebody. Because sometimes they don't hear that at home or they might hear negativity. And You know, it's, you hear a lot of stuff when you're not at church because people are not really going to give you their full emotions at church about how they feel. But you mm. can see some things. When Are you implying that people would be fake at church? Yes. I, I, I don't know about <laughs> yes. that. I, <laughs> people put on good fronts at church. Believe me, I know. I visited a couple of churches, and when I walked in, you could see, like, uh, you know, what is he doing here? Kind of like, don't sit by me. Or, yeah. And then they say hi, but, you know, they really didn't know if to hug me or rather to. And it's just because they're unlearned, you know. And, and we have to merge and get involved in you know church sunday morning is segregated everybody goes here you go there we never mix and mingle i thank god for pastor tom he reached out to me and and um pastor keith but there's so many other caucasian preachers and pastors that have not and most of them know us really well yeah but they haven't reached out to us but they would reach out to their other friends and i've even mentioned that you know a couple times in class and they were like well you know it's just we have more in common with the others. And I'm like, well, you know. So it's just. Well, we have a Savior in common. Right. And that's, that's a pretty big deal. It's kind of <laughs> the biggest of deals, if you would say. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change overnight. It's not. It's not. not. It's not. And, and again, I think that in our culture, the American culture, right now, it, it, a lot of people are afraid that they're going to say. In fact, when I announced from the pulpit 
that we would be having the podcast on this subject. I had two different people like, hey, be careful. Mm-hmm. If you say the wrong thing. And, and they're absolutely Canceled. They'll correct. Come, they'll come get you. Yeah. Canceled. <laughs> Done. Those people will come get you. And, and I think that... I think that the fear is less the African-American community, but the, the, the little 19-year-old white girl who's writing a blog is going to come get you. <laughs> <laughs> Who somehow is extremely offended. Yes, extremely offended. She's triggered. I mean, I, uh, I don't know if you watch, have watched any of the, the BLM and the riots and the, the marches. I've seen multiple videos of a black cop standing at a at a cross thing mm-hmm. you know there's a roadblock up and a little white girl and a little white boy yelling in the face of the cop telling him mm-hmm. calling him names mm-hmm. and they believe in their mind they're battling racism doing that and that to me is the height of mm-hmm. i mean we are living out 1984 mm-hmm. I, I just, it's just jarring to me to see this little 19-year-old white girl who clearly came from a privileged background with the iP- her iPhone in her back pocket screaming at this cop who's a black guy who clearly has wor- worked his tail off to get where he is. He's got the sergeant marks on his sleeve with pride, and she thinks that she's fighting racism by being a jerk. It's sad. Which leads us to um, well, how do we navigate, I guess, it, you know, kind of like what Matt was saying, we, we want to ask some of those questions. How do we navigate um, the, the BLM discussion as a church if you go to the, to, to the Black Lives Matters website, if you read what, what the founders have written? Uh, it is really clear that the church does not align at all with their beliefs. That the organization, you know, BLM, TM, uh, that we can't have anything to, to, to do with that. How do we say that, educate our people, move forward without sounding like a bunch of ignorant hicks who are racist? Well, I first like to say when we were saying Black Lives Matter before the group started, it was to uh, alert people on what was going on with the in the community with so many young youth getting murdered by the police and different things that were going on. We were not saying that, you know, white lives didn't matter. At the time, we were, it, it seemed as if we were being targeted. We were, we were losing more blacks than anything. Um, when they formed the group, I think the group started off with pure intentions and then it turned. Um, so I see a lot of things now on the site and and things that are going on in the nation that um, I do not agree with. And they stand for a lot of things that I do not agree with. Black lives still matter, but, you know, you can't use that to to tear down cities and, and tear up stores and stuff because it's the difference between a protest and a riot. And a lot of times we know we have to look at that. And then that makes everybody look like, um Okay, well, y'all saying Black Lives Matter, and then y'all just tearing up stuff. That's what I've heard. You're just tearing up stuff, and and then y'all kill each other, and I hear that every day. And I'm like, okay. So a lot of people don't want to accept it. So I just say, you know what? You know, all of us matter. We matter. But could you not 
kill us or get scared when we walk in the store or, you know, shoot us seven times while we're trying to get in a car, you know, things like that. It makes you nervous because my friends, they don't have that problem. They can, they can walk down the uh, street at Auburn University where they're going or whatever. I couldn't do that. I couldn't go with them. I would feel nervous going with them walking to some places and going to some places because I feel like I would be harmed. And that, that, that's, that's not an experience that in, the, in, in my own home country I've ever had. Something I want to ask, I guess, specifically is, you know, when, when and this is, let me preface, not my opinion, but something that I think that, like, the vast majority of, of white Americans are going to say in response to the whole, to the, to the Black Lives Matter movement is, oh, well, all lives matter. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I, I don't think I don't think that that was ever the mo of the right. Black Lives Matters movement. Like I don't think by any means they were in, implying that mm-hmm. nobody else matters. Right. Like I don't think that was the case. Uh, but just kind of, but again, just to like maybe get more clarity on. So when it, when Black Lives Matters, like what does that what does that look like, especially in response to the person who says, "Oh well, yeah, I'm for all lives matter." Like that kind of thing that you share and you share your hashtags on Facebook and all your pictures and all that good stuff. Like so, how do how do we navigate that? How do we how do we how do we make sure that we get the point that yes, all lives matter, but this is this is the magnifying this is the the thing that we're trying to bring the magnifying glass to. And yes, and and it happens daily because uh, me and some good friends we talk, and I say, well, Black Lives Matter, but you know, and they don't give me the opportunity to say, this is what I'm trying to explain. Mm-hmm. You know, all lives matter. That's I I agree, I agree. Please just hear me out, because. You know, month after month, day after day, you're seeing somebody being killed by the police. And and, and um, a lot of times, they're not in the wrong, you know. They could be at the wrong place at the wrong time. One lady was in her house, and the police shot her. And I'm not saying defund the police like Black Lives Matter says. I'm just saying we're trying to bring awareness, you know, because we're losing a lot of black individuals, a lot of young black individuals to hate crimes, innocent crimes, you know, things that are going wrong, and they're dying. Now, all lives do matter. We do. We know that. You know, everybody is important. God. Yeah, I don't think anybody. I mean, at least from us, I don't. I think it was. It's moronic to say that that's the principle that that we've yes. abandoned. That yes. that that that. that, that you or any other African American has said, "Oh, well, it's you know, it, it should just be us." Like I don't think that anybody was was implying that. Mm-hmm. And to hear people say, "Well, you know." He put his knee on his neck, but it wasn't that big a deal. It just makes you think, you know, how, what do you really think of me? You know, how much do you value my life? You're supposed to be my best friend. Are you going to protect me? Or if something hits the fan, are you just going to let them kill me? You know, so it makes you nervous because I don't, you know, raising a black son, he's going to go to college and I I can't be with him everywhere he goes. My parents can't be with me. Um, When I got stopped by the police a couple months ago, I was nervous. I had my phone. I had my phone on record. You know, I had my little stuff going. But luckily, it was a classmate. Um, so I calmed down a little bit. But I was like, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't yeah. feel like this when the police pulls me over. It's tough. Not that I was doing anything wrong. You know, I just kind of coasted through a stop sign. I don't want y'all to think I was going <laughs> to rob a store or anything. <laughs> but, you know, I shouldn't feel nervous being pulled over by the police. Right. Nobody should. So. And I'm not saying they're not good police out there. That's not what I'm saying. Some people are bad people. Well, and I, I think just like there are some bad plumbers, there are some bad electricians, there are some really bad cops. The difference is, is that a cop 
is carrying a firearm on his hip, mm-hmm. and he is respons- supposed to be responsible for upholding the law in all circumstances. And so if you get that, you know, and it's, I know it's a stereotype of the, the guy who was picked on in high school, and so he, he went to be a cop because nobody was going to pick on him anymore. There are some of those out there. But I will say this, uh, and I, as the chaplain for Glencoe, I, I have a lot of interaction with police, and nobody hates bad cops more than other cops mm-hmm. um, because they recognize that those bad cops, those cops that are out there that are, are policing from a position of fear, um, and nobody could watch the George Floyd video and not recognize mm-hmm. that that idiot standing on his neck mm-hmm. is a big, huge wuss mm-hmm. who is getting his sense of accomplishment from saying, ha ha, mm-hmm. here's this big black guy and I'm in control. Yeah. I mean, he, nobody missed that. Every cop that I talked to when all of that was in the forefront of the news personally wanted to drive to Minnesota and beat him. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you've got, if we back up and recognize that we're all humans, Cops are humans. African Americans are humans. Why? And recognize that if that some, if I felt like somebody was systematically executing blondes or or something that I was a part of, Alabama fans, or or or, I would want to draw attention to that. I don't think that that's irrational or for me to say, hey, whoa, and you know, when you start bringing out the statistics to say, well. Statistically speaking, more more white people are killed. But in reality, what we're if if you're even from a policing standpoint, if you're looking at community com- policing, perceptions mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if every African American is driving around thinking if they see blue lights in their rearview mirror, somebody's trying to execute me, mm-hmm. that's not going to be a good interaction for that cop. That's right. For that dude sitting in the car. Period. Yeah. We've set everybody up for failure, mm-hmm. and so. I think, you know, and we like to blame the media because um, they say some really stupid things. Yes. And it's really annoying to watch. And I'm, I'm not going to say it's all, all, the problem's only on the left. I watch Fox News about three minutes and I'm throwing things at the TV going, really? Can we not just tell people what's happening? Do we have to color it in such a way that... It, it, your your bias is hanging out, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, bad. Um, and it, I've gotten to the point where I can't I can't watch the news. Mm-hmm. If I I used to have uh, on my little Alexa device, it set up to where my alarm was. I picked five or six, you know, Reuters, AP, CNN, Fox News. Uh, Al Mohler, which is a mistake to have as your your alarm. Just saying, love you, Al, but <laughs> you're gonna go right back to sleep. <laughs> Let me just tell you, you better have, you better be two, you better be two mugs of coffee in before you listen to old Al. Let me just tell you. So, I had to stop doing that because if I'm listening to the AP, every news article is we all about to die. Even before COVID, <laughs> they they found some reason. You know, the embers from Australia burning to the ground are going to kill us all. Everybody's dead. We ain't got no money. And it's Trump's fault. And it's Trump's oh. fault. <laughs> or, or, 
we're all going to die, we ain't got no money, and it's the Democrats' fault. And it depends on which one you're listening to. And well, I, I don't know. Yeah, if you're watching Fox News, it's entirely everything that's going on is Pelosi's Everybody. fault. Absolutely. And so I, I think that that does divide us in that if I'm walking around and I, whether my division is black white whether my division is Republican Democrat whether the enemy just wants us divided mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. I agree hey I don't like him because he's wearing a mask I don't like him because he's not wearing a mask mm -hmm. the enemy's gonna go woohoo he doesn't care why we divide yeah. just so that what we're not focused on is sharing the love of Christ with that person that's right. And we're not focused on helping them be more like Jesus. We're focused on, and it really is. The, the enemy for the last 6,000 years has just printed out a form and left some blanks, and it's insert reason here. Yeah. I don't like him because he's black. I don't like him because he's a Democrat. I don't like him because he's wearing a mask. I don't like him because he wears Nikes. I don't like him because he's from Hoax Bluff. I don't like him because I just don't like him. Exactly. I mean, whatever that means. So we as believers yeah, you have. Don't, don't have that right. And, and, and I use the right word right on purpose. We don't have any rights mm -hmm. because Paul very clearly says that we are slaves for Jesus' sake and we don't have any rights, that we are bond servants who have been bought with a price mm -hmm. and we are supposed to be dying to ourselves every day. That's right. And so that homeless, toothless meth head in the parking lot of Family dollar. Family dollar desperately needs Jesus. And if I avoid them because they're black, because they're a meth addict, because they're homeless, because they stink, because if I stay away from them because I think I'm superior to them for whatever reason, mm -hmm. the enemy has won. That's right. And so we've got to work. So I, 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 I thank you for your perspective on Black Lives Matter because I do know, and a lot of people who are listening will, will be the people who say all lives matter, blue lives matter. And they, yeah, they, and that's what I wanted to ask that is because like how do we, how do we know that that's, that's not, that's by no means, that's what, it, especially, the, and you, not that you speak for every African American on the planet, but as you talked about, you said, hey, the Black Lives Matter movement and that, and that corporation or whatever, they're doing some things that you don't agree with, but the, yes, obviously all lives matter, yes. but this is what, these are the things that, like you said, the, the, the hate crimes, the things like that, just the, the getting pulled over and it turning into a whole big fiasco, bringing a magnifying glass to that is really what the original at its heart was. Uh, was what this is the whether it's I don't think I don't even think anyone's accusing that it's a whole system problem like hey these are your, these are the, th the bad things that are constantly happening because of bad people yes. this has got to change it's got to and, and I think I think like I don't I, I see no, no reason why any anybody who just knows what right from wrong can't get on board with that okay so we agree with the Black Lives Matter movement but then we look at Black Lives Matter trademark how do we differentiate that as we educate people, as we're trying to teach our church how to separate out, okay, when your African-American brother or sister says Black Lives Matter, this is what they mean, and yet also say we are not, Black Lives Matter's website says they're for the wholesale destruction of the family. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we can't get behind that. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't care what organization you're from. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't buy into that. How do we, how do we do that? How do we walk that line without coming across like a bunch of racists? 
<laughs> well, this is what I told my church. I told, I pointed at everybody. I said, white lives matter, black lives matter, whatever. But this is the situation at hand. This is why we're saying black lives matter at this moment. And I broke it down to them and they understood why, you know, why we were saying that black lives matter at the time. Now, do I believe in rioting and tearing up stuff? No, I do not. Tearing down businesses, burning people up and all this. No, we do not. But at the same time, while you're doing this, you haven't accomplished anything. You know, the people are still being killed. People are still being murdered by the police. You know, black people are feeling for their lives. You know, we don't know what's going on. It's like we're going backwards in time instead of progressing like we're going backwards. And people can say it's because Trump's in office and all that. But as uh, Pastor Tom was saying, it's just the enemy. He, he strives in division anything that he can do. And so now this Black Lives Matter has started, you know, it started other groups uh, and just bringing the KKK back out. It's just like we're going, as I said, backwards in time. So mm -hmm. you have to, you have to teach your congregation. And I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer of being bold. I don't like people guessing, you know, I don't, I wonder, I wonder what's on uh, Pastor Washington's mind. I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. If you feel it's wrong, then you address me, you tell me. But when you have a, a split congregation, it's important to know what's going on in the news and why. How, why do I feel this way about Black Lives Matter? And why do I feel this way about the Black Lives Matter movement group that's, that's causing all this ruckus, that's on Facebook, doing all this stuff? But yes, at the, at the moment, in the present time, we do need to do something about all these innocent black people being killed. So what? So I mean, just specifically asking. Like I said, I want. I kind. I'm kind of a person who wants things. Like this is it. This is the line. Yeah. If you could give us three easy no, steps. No, I'm, I'm just asking. Like, <laughs> so if there. So let's say like someone wants to have or organize or whatever a peaceful protest. At what point do you say, hey, this is where the protest has gone too far? And what I mean by that is when it starts turning into things that might get hostile or whatever. So obviously, and you may have protests and have every right to and and and, and should with some of the things that have gone on at what point is it hey that's not cool does that, does that understand what i'm saying you can have protests you, even when you set them up you know they tell you this is what we allow you know you can speak you can sing you can stand you can light candles you can do whatever but when it goes into fussing and bickering and cussing each other out and you shooting birds at the other race you've started a race war it started confusion you know and it's there's a lot of white people that stand with black lives matter there's a lot of white people that support it but at the same time, you have to do everything decency and with decency and in order. So, I think, and I think that answers that question <laughs> for us to hopefully see. Hey, this is where the idea of Black Lives Matter because of the things that have been so that have been done in so much with with so much injustice. This is why we are protesting. This is why we're bringing attention to that. But like you said, when it turns into a case with or, or a moment with hostility or things like that, like this is where, hey, that's not that that's that takes mm -hmm. that supports the idea of of, of that supports the stereotypes. Right. And that I don't think that's what and I, I'm not going to speak for you. but Like, I don't think that's what you what what, the, what that movement or that idea wants to accomplish. And, and my friend, he's Caucasian, he told me, he said, uh, I don't feel like hatred is still alive like it was back in the day. And I showed him where the guy that killed Trayvon Martin, you know, they did they did a GoFundMe for him. And mm. he got up to $350,000. And I was like, that's people giving to him because he killed this young black boy, you know. So hatred is very much alive. Racism is, is not going anywhere. 
It's just how we address it, and, and we have to let people know that we don't tolerate it. Um, you know, cut, cutting things short. If, if the conversation is going wrong, I cut it short. That's with my black friends. That's with my white friends. I don't tolerate any kind of racism or, you know, slurs or anything. I don't like that because, first of all, I don't want my child to hear it. Right. Because he's going, he's growing up, and what you hear it's is sh- it's shaping a, his it's thoughts shaping and his ideas. It's yeah. shaping you. So, and I grew up, I went to an all-white school. I went to Duck Springs Elementary. They wore their rebel flags. I never had a problem. Some of them are my best friends to today. But a lot of times we make big issues out of things that's really nothing because a lot of people that were wearing the shirts didn't even know what it meant. They barely could read some of them. <laughs> I'm just being honest, but, you know, sometimes we take things too far and it gets out of hand. Hmm. So um, t- tell me a little bit about your unity in the community that you did a few weeks ago. What was that? Was that an attempt to pull together multiple races and just yes. get people? It was, to, it was to get it, bring everybody together, show some love, you know, with all the confusion and Corona going on, I wanted to do something for the community. And so y'all had hot dogs and hamburgers, grilled hamburgers, mm. and cupcakes and chips. And My blood sugar music. just went up. Yes. Goodies. Well, I know she had it on Sunday, so I couldn't go. But yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> been the, you would have had if you had something left. You wouldn't have had anything left. I blocked the, the road. The police had to come and tell me that I had the road block. Uh-uh. Had the whole highway block. So that's a good thing. Yes. They didn't give me a fine or anything, but I'm all about bringing the community together. It's needed. Well, then what's that? What's and, and in Lincoln? What's that response been like? Not necessarily like even from oh, how much did your church grow? Like nothing like that. Awesome. But asking about like what has that done for your at least your church's imprint. In the community of like how how what the, what's that relationship look like? Because when I I'm building a relationship to where people that don't go to church they'll come check on the church. Mm-hmm. They check on me. They ask if I need anything. The police ride by. They check on me. They they're knowing. They're finding out who I am. So that's a good thing. You know, it, it's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. I have white people ride by black people, and it's an awesome thing. So it's needed. So. Well, and you and I had talked about a, a need for us to, and if if we can ever get to the point to where we can have you know more than ten people in a room, my hope is for us to start doing some joint, uh, like a choir swap, a pulpit swap, because the way you combat ignorance is with knowledge, mm-hmm. and if if I've never really been around anybody who's African American, the way to fix that is to be around them. I mean, that seems overly simplistic. Crazy but, thought. Um, I really do think because I, I hear when you know a group of of white folks are standing around having this conversation, you hear people saying a lot. Well, all they want to do is all they mm-hmm. think is all they, and that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may have heard one black representative on the news say that, but. We get into real trouble when we say all anything. Yeah, all. you're making a lot of dangerous overgeneralizations. Yes. Because all white people don't agree on anything. That's the truth. <laughs> and so all black just change, people can't Just change agree, the carpet right? in the church. You'll find out. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Announce on Sunday we're going to paint the walls in here and see. <laughs> oh you're going to have folks who ain't been here in years come back just to say, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what color it is, I don't like it. Dude, we cut some trees down in the front yard because the state of Alabama told us that those trees had grown up on the right of way. We didn't have any choice. And so we did some research. We've, we got bid for like 
six eight thousand dollars to cut down trees to cut down a bunch of pine trees along the road and, and again the state had told us you got to remove the trees mm -hmm. so we found a guy who was a pulp water and said hey those are some really straight trees i'll pay you three hundred dollars a tree so we had we pay them six thousand dollars or we get twelve hundred i mean it was it was a small amount mm -hmm. but it wasn't paying nobody right <laughs> i got calls from folks that have never been members of this church. They didn't like it. Those trees were I just drive the best down thing about my drive. It, I got that. I know. I believe man. it. I didn't even go to church here then, but I promise you. I, I just I mean, It just looks people, so man. industrial now. Start a group. It, it used to look like a church. But All now. you can do is see the Hardys now, and I just don't like it. Yes. So, yeah. So you can't get anybody to agree on anything. So if ever you make the statement, well, all black people think, this, mm -hmm. I know for a fact that that's wrong. Mm -hmm. So I think that what we have to do as shepherds is create environments where there's that cross-pollination between the cultures. Uh, and and I, I've said before that for me, because I grew up in, in a household where we were taught segregation. You don't need to go over there because that's a black neighborhood or you don't do this. Cause, mm -hmm. And for me, where that wall was thoroughly stomped down and destroyed was in the military because I didn't care what color your skin was so long as you had my back. Right. And vice versa. And vice versa. Yeah. And so there became this hierarchy of helping each other, being there for each other, hauling uh, gear for each other that superseded everything else. And being around people for long periods of time, you you recognize that people are people. Well, and that's that would speak volumes into how the church should look at this whole issue, which possibly was which is probably where you were taking that. Is that the cause that that brings us together in in in, the, in that moment of the the military? The cause that brings us together as brothers in Christ. Mm -hmm. Is, is bigger than that because it's it's lives it's it's lives and people in your case lives on the line in our case people's eternity in the balance right. and not nothing by our doing but us being the people that God has called to do said ministry that's bigger than and, and more essential than anything else that could come between it absolutely and we have an enemy that wants to destroy us and we need each other mm -hmm. exactly. I mean if there is one principle that Paul lays down in Throughout the New Testament, especially in the, the pastoral epistles, Christianity was never designed to be a Lone Ranger sort of thing, mm -hmm. and we desperately need each other. Mm -hmm. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I honestly can't do it, I can't do it successfully without them. Mm -hmm. I, need, I need Patrick. I need Tina. I need I need people and every new set of eyes that I can get helping me in my life and helping me shoulder and helping me serve. Mm -hmm. uh, I need that. And so we're cutting ourselves off. We're harming ourselves because the enemy's got us focused on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. Yes. Exactly. So, well, brother, I appreciate you coming. I know you had better uh, things to do tonight. <laughs> I... I uh, I really do uh, appreciate your time, and um, let's hope that moving forward we could do create opportunities for our churches to get together. Yeah, I'd love it. I, I, I want to. I want to see all of it. When now, you, how, speaking of that, how many kids do y'all have in your youth group? You've said uh, twenty-eight. That's awesome. It's twenty-eight. That's great. So we could do some joint youth stuff. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. 
big fan. Lincoln's not that far. Hey, and I, I remember when some of you, when you when you some of y'all came in, or that was was that Courtney's? No, that was Courtney's friends that came and got the soundboard. Yes. Uh, but either way, hey, you can, y'all, y'all, you and Courtney are good friends. They, 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 they were th- those guys were super excited to if they got to do something in here. So we'll just do everything one day. I love it. We'll just do we'll merge all three churches and just do something. But because uh, our people are super talented, but uh, I went and looked up some of those guys, some of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes incredibly gifted talented people and i'm and i've looked i've watched y'all's live stream stuff mm-hmm. incredibly talented individuals i mean that would just patrick's be, got be so the, great. the guy with the guitar oh yeah oh my, my goodness yeah wow yeah he prays Nuts. with temptations that's incredible yeah the the when the first time i visited his church we were sitting there and like throughout the whole service he's he's just it's just like working it. Listen. just work that's incredible he can pick up anything he here about three minutes to get it that's insane. I I literally remember like there were sometimes my dad is a huge Temptations guy, and I remember like seven, eight, nine years old when that Temptations movie came on. You just go ahead, block out nine hours every day. That's a long movie, a long but movie. I like I know it in and out. <laughs> Otis, all of them, Blue. I mean, just like just I, like when Blue gets shot, like just breaks my heart. Like it just it hurts. Uh, David, like you never wanted to be David, you never wanted to be roughing. Like I, like I can almost quote so much of that movie. Yeah. Uh, I love the Temptations, man. So that's incredible. That's awesome. That would be so. great. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Well, um, North Glencoe, it was, I hope you got as much out of this as as I did, and go serve your king. This has been not another church podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. Thanks for listening and go serve your team.